Yesterday we began Yesterday we began to learn about the inner meaning of Yom Kippur. Rabbi says the day of Yom Kippur itself brings atonement, brings forgiveness. And the Chachamim disagree and they say you have to do Teshuvah. And we learned that there's no real argument between them about the power of the day. Everyone agrees that the reason we're forgiven in Yom Kippur is not because of, of our actions. They are, no argument about that. The argument is only, do we need to do something to reveal that it's Yom Kippur for us? But the, the reason we're forgiven has nothing to do with our Teshuvah. It, it's something far deeper. What's the reason Hashem forgives us? There's a beautiful uh, Pesach uh, about Yom Kippur. It says on the first Yom Kippur, Moshe Rabbeinu sought forgiveness from Hashem for the sin of the golden calf. And what does Hashem say? Tell him, I'll put you in the rock. How does putting Moshe in the rock achieve forgiveness? What does that mean? So, Chassidus talks about how our connection to Hashem is like a fire. And Hashem is called the candle of God. And the candle of God uh, requires fuel. And the fuel for the candle of God is a mitzvah in the Torah. We learn to do mitzvahs, we learn Torah. That's fuel for our connection. And we have to make sure the fire stays lit. We can't have any averis, chas which will extinguish the fire. So we have to have both the fuel, and we have to have also to preserve the fire, fire as a physical fire does. So what happens? Chas Hashem, person does averis. So he causes the fire. It doesn't do mitzvahs. So the fire gets extinguished. But then there is another kind of fire, the fire of, of a flintstone. And uh, the Chalmarchai is thinking about Yabadabadu and, and Fred and Wilma. Chalmarchai, the flintstone has a potential. I was actually thinking about the Friedrich Rebbe's letter where he breaks down the levels of Abiyah. Thank you. <laughs> Whoa, I take that back. Okay. So the. Uh, this way you're sitting in the car over there it looks like you're, like Fred you're about to like you know move your feet and get 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 the, get the car going. Anyways, you have to be there. I'll cope on him. So um, so the Eva Flintstone is that there's a potential for fire, but there's no fire there yet. It cannot be extinguished because there's no fire to put out. In, in a similar way, there is a connection we have with Hashem which is not created by our mitzvahs. And it can't be ruined by Aravedis. It's the very essence of it. It's who we are. Because we and Hashem are one. This idea is a very fundamental idea in Chassidus. And uh, I think this idea also highlights another point about our preparation for Yom Kippur. One of the more important things to do before Yom Kippur is to seek forgiveness from people we've wronged. And also to judge people favorably. The reason judging people favorably is important isn't only because, you know, it's measure for measure. If I judge others favorably, Hashem will judge me favorably. It's, it's a lot deeper than that. Judging another person favorably tells more about me than it does about the person I'm judging. The Gemara says, for example, that you have a good guest and you have a bad guest. Someone goes to your home and they have a nice dinner and uh, and they think, what do they think to themselves after they have that nice dinner? Do they think you did it for them 
but they did it for yourself. Why did you invite them? For them, for them, for them, for yourselves. So Gemara says, a good guest says, you did it from everything for me. And a bad guest says, you did everything for yourself. Now, why is that a good guest or a bad guest? It's, it, it, what did the host have in mind? Let's ask, you know, the host had one thing in mind. We could say there's an honest guest and a host which isn't honest, uh, an honest guest and a guest which isn't honest. Why are we calling one a good, one, one a good guest and one a bad guest? And the answer is very simple. Because the good guest sees the good in you. He sees that maybe these other things you had in mind, but he sees in you the goodness that you did this out of the generosity of your heart that because you have an neshama, you looked at him as a brother, and therefore you welcome him into your home. So the good guest sees the good in you. In Rabbeinu Yena, there's a story about a rabbi who walked together with his students and they encountered the smelly carcass of a dog. So all the students like, ew! And this teacher who was leading them says, wow, look at the wonderful white teeth of this dog. So the students understood the message. If this carcass, this smelly carcass, they have to speak about it in a favorable way, how much more so with people? So the idea of judging someone favorably isn't just about the person that we're judging. It's about what in us is, what, what sees the world? Which part of us is looking? Which part of me is looking at you? Is it my ego? Is it the animal side in me? Or is it my neshama? So my ability to judge you favorably stems from the fact that I am in touch with my inner self. So if I'm able to make a list of people before Shoshana, before Yom Kippur, and to forgive them, and to, and to bless them, like, like in the story of Rabbi Sanchana, where she was just on the street, and she just wanted to give a bracha to the Shos and Kala. You know the story, right? Mr. Rabbi Sanchana is on, on Kingston Avenue on Shabbos, and, and, and Mrs. Sternberg's asking her, what do you, Rabbi Sanchana, do you need something? She says, I need something very badly. What do you need? I want to bless the Chos and Kala. That Shabbos, there was a chasana between uh, Ufruf, a pre-wedding celebration between the Raskin and the Lipsker family, and she wanted to uh, bless them, but she couldn't because the Ufruf was a men's only event. So she says, please bring me to the stores, the shuttered stores. There's a shuttered uh, fruit store, there's a shuttered fish store, and there's a shuttered grocery store. Where, there's, where, where the Raskins and Lipskers had some, uh, the Lipskers owned the grocery store, the Raskins owned the fish and fruit store. She said, bring me to the store. I want to bless them. She walks over to the stores to give a bracha to Chas Kala. That's very, very deep, man. Why is she giving a bracha to them next to the fruit? It's, it's, it's within herself. She, she, she's, she's, she's totally good in them. And she wishes them from her heart, bracha to them. It's not a pleasantry that you see someone face to face and you say, hi, how are you? And we do the California smile. It, it's something deep within you. So the idea of, of being able to, um, to look past another person's faults tells me more about me, tells Hashem more about me. And the truth is it, it's... it's it's very beneficial, it's very lucrative to do this. Um, the Gemara says about David HaMelech, that David HaMelech, when he was accused by Nasan HaNavi, by Nasan the prophet, of sinning with Basheva, Nasan HaNavi gave him a parable. The parable he gave him was, there's a rich man and there's a poor man. The rich man owns lots and lots of cattle, and the poor man has only one sheep. And somebody uh, takes the sheep of this poor man, what should happen to him? Of course, the Gemara says that anyone who says David Amalek sinned is making a mistake. David Amalek didn't sin. But there was something of, it, something of something of something that 
on David Melch's level was considered not up to his level. So Nasan Anavi told David, what should happen to this person? David Melch said, of course he should be severely punished. He only, he, why, why would the guy take away, why would the rich man take away from the poor man who was one sheep? So, David, so Nasan Hanavi explained to David Melch, this is you. So David Melch immediately regrets this and says, I have sinned to God. So the question is, why did David have to say that? I have sinned to God. Why can Nasan Hanavi just tell him this, the situation? And the answer is that a Jew cannot be judged by the heavenly court. A neshama is higher than a malach. And no angel has any jurisdiction over us. A Jew, a Jew is one with Hashem. The only way a Jew could be judged is by his own decision, by his own expression of judgment. So when we express judgment on others, about this is a judgment on ourselves. So, so first of all, the Rebbe Marash says, teaches you how, how careful you have to be to bless people and say good things about people, because that gives a blessing to yourself. It's, it's something that only your story could only be told by you. So by you saying something about someone else, they deserve a bracha, you're giving the bracha to yourself. But besides all that, a spiritual preparation for Yom Kippur in inner, involves looking at other people in a positive way. That, 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 that's getting closer to who I am. So getting, let's, let's continue a little bit more the um, the Sicha um, and let's see more about what Yom Kippur uh, really means. The idea of the day itself forgiving us means that there's a part of us that was never blemished in the first place. Tshuva, the fact that I have to rectify this sin through tshuva, indicates that there was a problem to begin with. But if I am Hashem's child, at that lo- Hashem, if Hashem looks at me like his child, there was no blemish in the first place. I'm his child. On Yom Kippur, the Eibishter looks at me. The Eibishter looks at me as his child. And this is the similarity of Rosh Hashanah and uh, Yom Kippur. One of the ways that Yom Kippur and Rosh Hashanah are are similar is in that both, as mentioned when we started the Sicha, that there is a, a, Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur are both counted as part of the 10 days of Tshuva. But in addition to them being counted as part of the 10 days of Tshuva, they also have a unique, distinct energy that is above the 10 days of truth. They express the essence of a Jew's bond with Hashem in two different ways. Rosh Hashanah, the essence of a Jew's Nisham is expressed in crowning Hashem as king. And Yom Kippur, the essence of a Jew's Nisham is expressed in Hashem forgiving us. And although in Rosh Hashanah there's also an element of tshuva, Rosh Hashanah is a day of tshuva, but there's something deeper than, than just tshuva. It's Rosh Hashanah has really three elements. There's a mitzvah of Shefer, there's a mitzvah of Tshuva, and there's crowning Hashem as king, which is beginning the relationship with Hashem. You, you can't talk about Tshuva and rectifying a problem if there's no relationship in the first place. So the first step of connecting to Hashem from the essence of the Hashem of a Jew is a Jew crowning Hashem as his king. That's a Hashanah. It's higher than Tshuva. Then there's a Tshuva. Then there's a mitzvah. So to Yom Kippur also has three elements. Yom Kippur is as a revelation of the essence of the neshama. God looks at us as his only child, and therefore he forgives us. Then there is the fact Yom Kippur is one of the ten days of tshuva. There's a mitzvah of tshuva. Then there is also the mitzvah of the day, the mitzvah of the fast in Yom Kippur, the mitzvah of the, fa- of, uh, the, mitzvah of the day, actually Yom Kippur. It's interesting, Yom Kippur, in addition to being one of the ten days of tshuva, Yom Kippur, the mitzvah of the day of Yom Kippur is tshuva, it is confession, which, by the way, um, advertisement, 
a lot of people don't know this, when your Kippur starts, as soon as it's sundown, you're supposed to say your first confession to Hashem on Yom Kippur. As soon as it's sundown. Some, in the newer Siddurim, I think it says it, but the uh, older Siddurim, I think it doesn't. Kippur starts, a year has to right away begin the, uh, the, do the mitzvah of the day. The mitzvah of the day Kippur is saying, I'm sorry to Abishter, and regretting, and it's resolving for the future. And of course, Yom Kippur, as Rebbe always emphasizes, Shuvi law, a higher kind of Shuvi. That's the mitzvah of the day. So the, there's a mitzvah of the day, there's the essence of the day, and there's the Shuvi of the day. There's another similarity between Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur. Just like in Rosh Hashanah, the mitzvah of the day expresses the two deeper elements of the day. By blowing the shofar, we're also, as the Ramam says, shofar is also about inspiring us to the tshuva. And as the Gemara says, shofar is also about crowning Hashem as king. So the mitzvah of the day expresses the deeper elements of the day. So to Yom Kippur, the fasting and they're not working on Yom Kippur, in that mitzvah of the day, you see the deeper elements in Yom Kippur as well. And still, the Gemara says um, that even Rebbe, whose opinion is that Yom Kippur forgives you without Shuva, but he agrees that Yom Kippur does not forgive you for the sins that you did against Yom Kippur. If you didn't fast in Yom Kippur, Yom Kippur can't forgive you. Because Yom Kippur doesn't, Yom Kippur is what makes the fasting, not fasting a sin, and can't, it can't be that Yom Kippur, which makes fasting a sin, can also cause the atonement. So the midst of the day is an expression of the deeper element of the day. We find also something similar in the service of the Kayin Gola on Yom Kippur. One of the fundamental things the Kayin Gola has to do on Yom Kippur is to walk into the Holy of Holies. Concerning the Kayin Gola's entry to the Holy of Holies, the Torah says, nobody could be there. No man can be there. And the Gemara's expression, every man can't be there, uh, the Gemara Yerushalmi explains what, that is, what does this mean? That even the highest angels are not allowed to be there when the Kayin Gola goes into the Holy of Holies. It's a time when the Jew and Hashem are one. Furthermore, when the Kohen Godel entered the Kohen Shekadashim, he entered a place where there was the Ark, right? It's a special place, a place of the Ark. But in the time of the Second Temple, there was no Ark there. So what was happening there? So the idea of the Kohen Godel entering the, the Kohen Shekadashim is not just about a Jew's bond with Hashem through Terah. There's no Ark there. In the, in the Holy of Holies, in the Second Temple, Although it's deficient, it's missing something. The Gemara says, Vikavda, that uh, there's five things that were missing in the Second Temple. They're missing the, the uh, Shechina, and they're missing the Aaron, the Kruvim, and the Kaperes, and the. Um... But yet, there's something deeper that's expressed in the Second Base of Migdash. What is there? It's something higher than Teir. So the arrival of the Kayan Godel into the Kayan Shagadashim is it's something deeper than Teir. It's even deeper than the Arin. The Arin is different than a Torah scroll. The Torah scroll has letters written on parchment. The Ark the, housed the tablets of Hashem, which had the letters of, of God engraved on those tablets, which emphasizes a much deeper connection. So there is, there is in the first temple, there's an expression of the tshuva that Torah talks about. In the second temple, there's an expression of tshuva which is higher than Torah. And this connection in time of the base of Migdash between the Neshama of a Jew and Hashem 
that was achieved by the Kayan Godel entering the Kresh Kadashim is also expressed today in our prayers. There are five prayers on Yom Kippur. It's the only day of the year that has five prayers. I went to the mikveh. I want to tell you the punch of Mechom There are five prayers we say in Yom Kippur. The f- every day we say three prayers because there are three parts of the soul we have access to is more easily. Our power of obedience of Hashem, a power of loving Hashem, and our power of understanding the oneness of Hashem. On Shabbos, we have access to a fourth and deeper level of our neshama. On Shabbos, we have access to uh, a, our desire to be close to Hashem beyond logic and reason. That's why there's a fourth prayer. On Yom Kippur, there's a fifth prayer. Why? When the fifth prayer is called Ne'ilah. What's Pshat Ne'ilah? Ne'ilah, you still hear me, I'll tell you the Maisa. Ne'ilah, yeah, I can tell you the story? Hey, good. I'll tell you the story. Let me read the Maisa. Ne'ilah means the doors are closed. Huh? Ne'ilah is... Ne'ilah means the doors are closed. So on the surface, it's the meaning of the doors being closed is that the Yom Kippur is ending. But there's a much deeper reason, deeper reason why the doors are closed. The Yom Kippur by Ne'ilah, the fifth prayer of the day, which expresses the essence of the day, because it's the only day that has five prayers, the fifth prayer of the day expresses the fifth part of the Neshama, which is revealed in Yom Kippur, the deepest part of the Neshama, the Yechidah. The part of the Neshama that's expressed by the holiest person going to the holiest place in the holiest time. And therefore, no angels are present because the Jew and Hashem are alone. So I heard a Maisa, which I think unbelievably expresses this. There were parents, and they had a daughter who wasn't uh, behaving in the best way. So they made uh, some rules for her. One of the rules was there was a curfew. Curfew. So she has to come home at 12 o'clock at night. All right. So she kept the curfew, she kept the rules. And this was something, though, that the parents sought counsel from the rabbis that they spoke to. And the rabbis said, you could keep your daughter at home, even though she's not religious, but make sure there's rules at home. Okay, whatever, I'm not saying that, uh, that whatever, just telling the story how, as it happened. So there's a curfew. So she kept the curfew a couple of days, and as time went on, nah, 12.10, 12.15, 12.30, I was late, I'm sorry, okay. One night she comes home at 2 o'clock in the morning. Father answers the door. What's going on? We have rules. And she says, I'm sorry, I was coming. We had a flat tire, whatever, whatever the excuse was. So the father walks out of the house with a tray and a gemara under his uh, arm. So she says, what's this? She says, listen, we have rules. In order to stay at our home, you have to uh, keep the rules of the home. So we can't have you at home and that you're not keeping the rules of the home. So she says, so where should I sleep? So he said, you'll sleep in the hallway. In the hallway, the entrance to the home, there's a little hallway. So she says, so what's the tray? The tray? Give me your dinner. Here's here's your dinner. So what's with the Gemara? Gemara? You think I'm going to let my daughter sleep here by herself? You'll sleep, and I'll I'll learn Gemara. My daughter can't sleep by herself. I'm here with you. You hear what the father told her? I'm here with you. This touched her so deeply that a mamish caused a revolution in herself to 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 realize that the Yiddishkeit stuff and the is is epis something deeper in there. And in a similar way, the Abishter tells us in Yom Kippur in the Ila, the doors are closed. A Yid and the Abishter are are one all the time. But by Ne'ilah, it's revealed, and that's so the whole Yom Kippur has an energy of that. That's why it's a day that has five prayers. 
but it comes to highest expression, the actual fifth prayer of the day, where there the Eibishter completely, it's kule rachamim, it's full, Yom Kippur is kule rachamim, complete mercy of the Eibishter. You know, in our prayers in Yom Kippur, we say these words, which on Yom Kippur don't feel so sincere maybe for some of us, and we included. Uh, out of your love for us, you gave us this day of Yom Kippur. <laughs> I feel the love in the night of Yom Kippur, it's a beautiful prayer. Morning of Yom Kippur sometimes, comes closer to the end of Yom Kippur, I'm starving, you know. Out of your love for us, you gave us this day, you know. Do <laughs> you feel the love? Sometimes you do, sometimes you don't. But the vart is, Yom Kippur is, is, is something, it's a gift. The Abisha gives us a gift where he grants us this opportunity to be in that space where there are no sins, where there was never a blemish, where there's our inner purity is revealed and Kohen Godel inside ourselves, the Yechida becomes into the Holy of Holies, one with Hashem, beyond the way can through Tehra. Does that make sense? Yeah? Any questions? Okay. Show one more idea and let you guys go. Five more minutes, Rabbi. So ask me a question, Michal Mordechai. I have something to say for five minutes. <laughs> okay. Um, the, the Shabbos that we're about to enter, Shabbos Shuva, is um, the Rabbeim will light candles on Shabbos Shuva. And they said this, this Shabbos is a Shabbos de Ketshuva. Shabbos de Ketshuva, what's called a Shabbos de Ketshuva? So one explanation, the Alter Rebbe writes in Tanya, in chapter 10 in Gersa Tshuva, that the word Shabbos is, has the same letters as Toshev. Toshev means to return. And the Alter Rebbe explains that Shabbos is about Tshuva Yilah, about returning to Hashem with Simcha. Ordinarily, uh, in previous generations, as we discussed many times, there was a process called Tshuva Tata, you had to first be bitter deeply about all your Avedis, and then later, you could do tshuva law, a higher kind of tshuva with love, to have excitement in your teira, excitement in your mitzvahs, excitement in your davening. But every single year, mamish, as far as I know, the Rebbe spoke about how Yom Kippur is tshuva law. There was a guy who couldn't fast in Yom Kippur. He asked the doctor if he could fast. The doctor said no. So he told the Rebbe about it. And the Rebbe told him he should fast. And the Rebbe told him he should fast. And, and if I remember correctly... After Yom Kippur, he uh, was told to call the Rebbe or something, or and the Rebbe said, There's a pasuk, God gives life to Jewish people in hunger. The simple meaning of that is that even though when we're hungry, Hashem gives us life. But Hasidus says, means Hashem gives us life through the hunger. The hunger of Yom Kippur, in the language of Levitz said, On Tishabav, who can eat? On Yom Kippur, who wants to eat? Who wants to eat? Yom Kippur, who wants to eat? Who needs to eat? Tisha who could eat? It's the negative day. On Yom Kippur, it's such a, it's kuler achmim. Hashem is, full love of Hashem is expressed. We don't need to eat the gashmis. Like the Rebbe said also about the end of Yom Kippur, that uh, Yom Kippur is over, where are you going at the end of Yom Kippur? Where are you gravitating to? You don't have to run dafka to do the fastest prayer of the year so quickly and go to eat. We just, we're a whole day of, like angels. And Kippur is supposed to take with us. Supposed to supposed to supposed to stay. We're supposed to hold on to this day for the for the whole year. This closest to Hashem has, is expressed in the sukkah. It's continuation. It's not like Kippur is over and then we switch gears 
and we go to the happy holiday, which is different. The Simcha of Yom Kippur is a bit hidden by the fasting, but it comes to full expression on Sukkot. Yom Kippur and Sukkot are the same holiday. Yom Kippur and Simcha are the same holiday. Yom Kippur is our bonding with Hashem, and Hashem forgives us, and lets go of all the Averis, and we let go of all the Averis, and we celebrate this new connection to Hashem on, on Simcha Steira. The Abisha gives us life through the fasting. It's not, the word Inoy in Hebrew, which means pain, also means answer. On Yom Kippur, we're looking for the answer. The answer of the Abisha that says, I see you as my child. We're looking for the answer of ourselves, which say to Hashem, I see you as my father. And this gives us the, uh, grants us the complete forgiveness and the bracha for the courier. And again, I want to mention blessing people for Yom Kippur, saying good about other people, judging people favorably, brings out that Hashem not just treats us measure for measure, and He's nice to His kids because we're nice, to, because we're nice to His kids, He's nice to us. But it's more the best preparation for Yom Kippur is looking at others deeply from your neshama. That that, that 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 brings you closer to who you are. Anyways, that's what I wanted to share today. Any and no questions or comments? The Bresman has something to say. Go ahead. One question. One question. So, what is the Jews' relationship to uh, Gentiles? And if there's a, been a problem. It's a very good question. Um, I'll tell you a story. This guy came over to his friend day after Yom Kippur, and he says, I, "Please forgive me." Day after Yom Kippur, so his friend said to him, "Why are you ask me forgiveness now? It's in the holidays past." So he said to him, "I'm not. I want you to know there's nothing to do with it with my atonement. I just want you as my friend. I care about you. It's not about me and God and me getting a good year." I just want you as my friends, if I'm specifically asked, so I'm not saying you should do that. We also want God to forgive us as well. But the point is that the Torah says a person should be humble-spirited before all people. And the Alter Rebbe emphasizes that this means before non-Jews as well. And there's something in every person that we could be humble because we, just because you're given different opportunities to other people, therefore you're able to reach different places than other people. It's not like the Olympics, Dr. Breston, where everyone starts at the same place and everyone ends at the same place. Everyone in life is not meant to get to the same place. Everyone starts at different places. So the, so the finish line, the, the goal for me, Hashem has, is different than the goal He has for you. We don't start at the same place, we don't end at the same place. So being humble is it's, it's possible to be before Gentiles as well. And absolutely, being in touch with my neshama absolutely means that I'm able to see the good in all people and be, ask and, and rectify relationships with them as well. Now, is that halachically the same kind of uh, responsibility as I have towards my family? There's a different responsibility to my family. That's a different kind of judgment towards my family. Hashem expects more of me towards my family than He does towards all of His other creatures and all of His other, other th- that He created with His mercy. But it does tell a lot about me. It tells more about me than it does about in the vein that we're discussing here about being touched with my neshama, absolutely there shouldn't be a difference between my humility before a Jew and my humility before a Gentile. It tells, it, it expresses more my neshama. If I'm able to see, if, if I'm not able to be merciful in God's creatures, that tells a lot about who I am. So, so uh, absolutely. All right, any other questions? All right, great day, Yonatan. Great day, Dr. Bresman. I'm so happy we were able to be with you the entire time in Afghan Mikhamarchai with the whole share. That's great. Great day, Beryl. Great day, Levi. A good Shabbos. A Freilchen Shabbos Shuva. Amen. Amen. Great day.